Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Inexcess Access All Areas, episode 178, a podcast that aims to dive deep into all things great about this legendary band. Do it with a bunch of patrons, doing it with actually my compadre B and a bunch of friends, and doing it with an extra special guest patron today, all the way from Ottawa. We've got Catherine. Hello, how are you, Hayden? How are you? I'm good, good. I'm looking a little suntan because I've been at least 40 days in Australia. I think 178 episodes in B. We don't do a trifecta, triple recording, triple voice thing going at all. An honorary double co-hosting situation today. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, great to have Catherine with us. I. I, I met you down in Australia Day a couple of weeks back, and since then you've been to Bali and Brisbane, and now you're down here with B, mm-hmm. and you and you met some kangaroos today on the beach of Coffs Harbour. Yeah, they were pretty aggressive, but I got out of it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she was back for a boxing gloves on. I had to rescue her. No, I'm joking. They did were a o- little mum and, and little baby there on the. Uh, did Aussie B show how to you know do the the punching kangaroo thing. You know? <laughs> she was really tough. She was really tough. We were now, looking for snakes to beat up too, but there were none. Now you are a uh, a Commonwealth country, so you know the Commonwealth Games uh, that go uh, around the world every four years. Back in 1982, Brisbane had the Commonwealth Games and we had the big boxing kangaroo called Matilda as our emblem there and had the big famous blink of the left eye. Now that is a useless piece of statistics there. Yes, the bees, Hayden, what are the bees... heck are you talking about? <laughs> the only Matilda's I know almost won the World Cup. Oh, no, <laughs> well, that yes. was something else. Yeah, that, that was. was a very, very proud moment when that was happening. Um, yeah, it's been a good fun day. Um, you've been here for a good 24 hours and we've packed quite a lot in. She's even been to the Hoi Moe. Right. <laughs> and uh, she's, I can't get over how many tribute bands you have yeah. over here. Yeah. We do. We, we do. do. I, I thought she was going to say, I don't realise how many pubs you have here. Well, that is where <laughs> we have been to a few pubs, actually. <laughs> now, we might get this out of the way early, but you're seeing John Stevens, aka former lead singer with the band after Michael, uh, yeah. this weekend. I think he sort of does an a- annual pilgrimage all way, doesn't he, B? He does, he does. And it's um, every time it's getting bigger and bigger is um, his actual um, shows. So um, okay. I'm really looking forward to John. I have been trying to get hold of someone to try and get a meet and greet with him, but I will right. try. You know I will. Well, I think it didn't happen last year. And and I don't know, if, didn't he sort of say, oh, good luck with the podcast or something? Or, or was that his manager? I don't know. We, yeah, we, no, we try to get him on the show. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, we'll try. We'll keep trying. But yes. you use your guile. I, I, and look, this is taking things seriously a little bit. Look, John, John probably it didn't end with in excess that great in the sense that there was a little bit of a difference of opinion on one or two things. And, you know, come 2003, our deep dive, we'll go through that. But maybe the angle of getting him on our show is just really talking about the love of the music and why he goes and plays it still. And obviously him and Andrew and John are on good terms and everything like that. So maybe just more rather than his time in excess, which might not be a, uh, a point for him to want to dive deep on, maybe a bit like our next guest who's coming on in two weeks' time. 
who we interviewed yesterday, B, who was And absolute... I'm still buzzing like a bee. He was a fun-loving <laughs> criminal, oh, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> he was, he was. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And it was so nice to hear the accent because he's from the Midlands. And who'd yes. have thought that some guy from the fun-loving criminals would be from Leicester and not know downtown New York or Miami. But, um, yeah. yeah, he looked the biz, didn't he? We Yeah, we, we don't normally talk about future guests until they're on, nor do we sort of... Uh, take away from our existing guests this show uh but uh you know it's worth referencing if i say how's your in excess week been because i think between both of us you know 80 percent you and 20 percent me we found ourselves on twitter you know over the weekend and I, x ah, twitter, you know. <laughs> if you say x i'm gonna think what? in excess album you know yeah so no. we, we're really gonna get confused yeah the, uh, the drummer from the fun loving criminals frank. uncle frank Uncle I'm Frank, Frank is, yeah. Uncle Frank, you know, reached out to us because he literally was in his, I guess, dressing room at the gig, and there was a massive in excess collage of photos. The, yeah, up at the, on the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. And before you know it, he was tweeting, and then we were tweeting. Next thing you know, you know, he was invited onto our show, and. Uh, it was all hooked up and we did a fantastic interview that will come out in about 10 days time. So yeah, if I uh, can just get some names out to you guys sure. so, to, to, to whet your appetite, but this guy has worked with UB40, Sinead O'Connor and Suggs from, um, from Madness. And he's like mates with all these people. And it's yep. a really good episode. And he is an Uber fan of in excess and some other person that, in, <laughs> that Hayden absolutely adores too, but we'll yes. keep that quiet. Yes. Yeah. And look, we know at the time of this, recording he's already got shows going to be played as of tomorrow night and a couple other mm. places but we do believe if you, there will be time for you to see him in adelaide and perth uh we believe uh see the fun loving criminals based upon uh, their tour schedule when we release this episode this weekend so you know again check them out they are massively influenced by NXS, and 75% of the interview was about NXS. It was. And his sheer love of them. In fact, I think we even brought up Scooby Snacks other than yourself at the start, no, uh, no. Uh, which is their, one of their I big think, hits. I think you and I were pretty jealous at some of his stories as well, Correct. weren't we? Yeah. And their video clips. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> even yeah. I was jealous about that one. <laughs> yes. So, um, but B, what's come across your NXS uh, desk this week? Well, apart from that, I mean, that's got my my uh, my chops going of grinning. Yep. I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful having yep. my friend here. Um, <laughs> we haven't done much shop because because um, <laughs> Kathy actually helps us with our website. Well, I say help; she's actually taking it on board, and we haven't looked at it once, have we? <laughs> but while she's been here, she's pulled over all my in excess books. So she's read Rhett Hutchins's book from cover to cover, and so has she read Michael in Pictures. Michael in Pictures by Richard Simpkin and you found some typos she's very <laughs> and um, ah, she's an editor and she's fantastic um, she's um sized up michael's shirt and she knows exactly the size and shape michael was in and she's looked at it at every corner <laughs> i'm getting silence of the lambs vibes here with the, with the measuring <laughs> so uh, yeah my next couple of days has been with with kathy where i mean found out that she's russell crowe um, fan and that russell lives just up the road so yeah. um, we might go to his house tonight I haven't stopped him yet hey. <laughs> sorry Russell <laughs> have you seen the uh Canadian shot movie Mighty Alaska uh no I have uh, no I haven't I don't think no. I have. one of his earlier movies in Hollywood with Burt Reynolds and a couple of other people there but a uh, great ice hockey movie in the a small Canadian town and uh yeah really good watch about 1990 yeah. 98 97 I think all right. Well, I'm still yeah. stuck on LA Confidential. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, whenever, whenever I've had a bad day, I'll stick on Russell. You got Crow the other Aussie on. 
you got the other Aussie on that one, Guy Pearce, who's in that, and then you got Simon Baker Denny, the third one's in on that, who yes, plays. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, you yeah. got the trifecta of Australians there. <laughs> Yeah, we won't mention Kevin Spacey. Moving along. <laughs> B, it's been crazy. Can I mention something about my NXS work down here? Oh, what what's that then? Well, it's not even been about NXS. It's all it's been about is Tay, 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 Tay <laughs> down here. Uh, the Taylor Swift phenomenon. And I, pink. I, I, and, and pink. Well, pink got kicked out of a restaurant in Sydney the other day. That's all I know. But uh, Tay, Tay, Tay sold out uh, Taylor Swift, sold out the MCG, which is... I guess the capacity of the concert that night was 96,000. She sold it out three nights in a row, so well done. Don't really understand the appeal or whatever there, but that's me probably showing my age. Um, yeah, I would say so because I love her. Do you like Tay-Tay? Well, you know, she really has uh, an enormous presence in North America, and uh, and I think she's just viewed as a very strong yeah. woman artist and yeah. a woman like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Well, she, I, I do admire the fact that she's gone from country sort of to sort of pop, and then sort of you know different sort of blends and styles because she really sort of started it more on the country side of things, didn't she? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, there are there are grown men who are taking their teenage daughters there, who have got all cacao. Uh, it's been all over the radio here, you know, we're men and fathers and, and mothers, and they're all more dancing around, firing up than uh, the Tay-Tay fans, even though they're squealing away. So, well, yeah. could it be that this is the ultimate gift for your kids? If you want to make a memory, yeah, it's get true. these tickets. My son, my son did ask me the day before the first concert, are there any Taylor Swift tickets going? I said, look, I don't think so. They're more they're, they're, they're more rare than Wonka tickets, golden tickets. And you did actually go see uh, Ed Sheeran this time last year, which he was very lucky to go see Ed Sheeran. Uh, so but maybe next time. Uh, but yeah. um, Pearl Jam with um, the Pixies are supporting them in November. So I'd like to go to that. Pixie supporting Pilgrim, yep. Yeah, yeah, in yes. November. Mm. And about half an hour before this uh, recording, I got invited Saturday night to go see a Pilgrim Rage Against the Machine cover band. So to speak of the devil, I'm going to go see that on Saturday night. So looking cool. forward to that. Excellent. All right. Anything else come across? You're in excess desk, Catherine. <laughs> uh, the trip, Australia. It's been a great uh, – I've had a chance to, to visit a few monuments that uh, are part of in excess's history, and I've – Found them all very moving. So uh, yeah, yeah we, we had a little chance when we had lunch the other week to go down to uh, the Palais Theatre there where Listen Like Thieves, exterior mm-hmm. shots were done and we took a couple of happy snaps. Um, What else have you seen? Did you see Michael's uh, memorial, I think? Uh, I did, you... I did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Frangipanis were out. Did I pronounce okay. that right? Yes, yes. I did. Yes. And, uh, and, what, uh, and I saw the hotel, Yeah. Double Bay. Which yeah. was quite moving, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, mm-hmm. the church too. So yeah, yeah I mean, it... Uh, for someone who's only ever seen this in pictures, it's been great to be able yeah. to. Yeah, and you went to Perth yeah. where the band sort of moved to in the early days as well, didn't you? No, I didn't get to Perth. Oh, you didn't get to Perth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next time. Next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay, you went Adelaide up to Bali, is that right? Or... That's right, yeah. Okay, yeah, over to Brisbane. Okay, cool. Well, right. talking about Adelaide, <laughs> yeah. that's a good segue in. Um, yes. Yes, so um, don't change um, one of our favourite tribute Mm. bands with Blair uh, uh, playing in Adelaide and I've just sent a load of flyers up there to um, to our friend and patron um, Andrew Everett so um, Andrew they live in the post mate he keeps going are they in are they in are they in thank you Andrew if you were there and you met Andrew and you've got a flyer in your hand hello (laughs) right yeah you've got 177 weeks of uh, uh, deep dive historics to go to
All right, Pete, well, it's probably time to welcome our patrons aboard. And I thought I'd just do a quick shout out before you do that and just say big thank you to Sula. Sula uh, did something which is a bit unique. She did a 12-month pledge almost to us, a little lump sum amount uh, that we're very, very flattered. And this very, is her very... second time in two years. Yeah, very, very appreciative of. And, and, and Sula's such a sweetheart. She oh, had some really bad news this time a year ago regarding family members and Look, we hope this podcast has sort of kept their sort of, you know, you know, happier as they can be in the last 12 months. Bo-bo-bo. yes. Yeah, and we just want to say thank you for for that uh, lump sum pledge. It really does help us and we really appreciate it. And B, over to you to welcome all the other patrons aboard. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members, Tim Ferris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkin, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. And I think there might be a new honorary patron after this episode. <laughs> Keep listening. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P., Pedro, Mandy, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Paul Buckley, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Jim, Jackie, Sheila, Shannon, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Tracy, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Fern, Mandy Jane, Nick, Sula, Amy, Diane, Paul P, Paul B, Alicia, Jay, John, Amberette, Kathy, Chantel, Neil, Mary Ellen, and the Harmonic Wizard. And our special mentions go out to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy, and Helen Kirkwood. Welcome to the podcast. All right, we are at topic which we will go through in a few moments after news. Uh, we got Mark Pellington part two, and boy, did we have some fun interviewing him the other week. Big shout out to my uh, manager at work who who let me have an hour and a half off during the middle part of the day to do it, and I sat in his office doing the Wi-Fi, uh, which was the best hotspot. Uh, so thank you to him. But uh, more importantly, B, uh, we ended on a cliffhanger last week. Just tell the uh, listeners, you and Catherine, how it ended. Catherine, did you listen to it? Maybe I did. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Now that's a cliffhanger. Yes. <laughs> yes, we we left it at the point where Mark, well, we asked Mark, get on the phone. And he got on the phone to a friend um, that has got something to do with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who, who might be one of, may, maybe <laughs> a producer. So today we will be picking up that phone where we left off and going right into that phone call, which is very exciting. Yeah. So the, the amazing thing and, and interesting thing about all of this is that Marky was just, Mark was sort of gobsmacked that they weren't in the Hall of Fame. Like he almost made the call just like out of, hang on, I just want to double check this from yes. you guys. And uh, yeah, so uh, for listeners who have hung on uh, for the sequel, we can uh, let you in on the conversation as it happens. Yay. We will uh, bleep out or maybe uh, cover a few names mentioned, but the key key ingredient to all of this is Mark could be going to bat for the band and help uh, the process of this next 12 months kick off the right way. And we've made him what? We've made him an honorary patron on the spot based on, on that effort spot. on the spot. 
executive decision, okay? Um, sorry to all the other patrons who had to come on five times, Mark Opitz and everyone else, but uh, uh, we we did we did we did feel the uh, the uh, the urge to act accordingly. But uh, B, what's the time for? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. All right, B, we're going to go to our power news section here today. Obviously, we're going to get into a topic in a moment, but uh, a big shout out to Matchbox 20. Uh, Rob Thomas and the band were in town last week. Rob was uh, sporting a Kick In Excess t shirt that I think someone from the audience might have handed to him during the gig. Yeah, uh, I saw someone post something along those lines, but uh, you can get online and see at the Melbourne gig for Matchbox 20 that he was wearing a kick in excess T-shirt. Yeah, uh, I heard that he was. His, go on. Yeah. It was his birthday as well. He had a birthday yes, cake as well. That's right. Yeah. It was for his birthday. And I heard that he wore it more than one night on the gig, so right. on the tour. So, yeah, yes. thank you, Rob. And uh, hello to all the uh, new listeners that are um, have come away from that T-shirt as well. Now, I just want to do a quick sidestep into if you if you were a, a touring uh, agent and a manager 101 and you knew that uh, on the same night that you've got Matchbox 20 playing at uh, the venue they were playing and Tay-Tay was playing the same night, would you sack your touring manager, et cetera, there, uh, you know, double booking on the same night and taking crowds away? Would that be a, 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 an own goal there, But B? did they? I reckon that I reckon mm. that'd be all right. Oh, do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 look, I, I can't remember. Come what I'm on, playing. two different types of music. You'll well, be fine. You know, yeah, Melbourne would support anyway. Again, well under John Stevens uh, touring along with a bunch of other other sort of acts and things. Uh, you will see him this week at the Hoey Moey in, in Coffs. But uh, uh, a big shout out, just a couple of things here to all around Australia and, and California and through through the UK. There's so many gigs going on, particularly at the moment because of the you know the summer conditions here. A bit of a shout out and reminder. I think uh, I don't know if this is the one you're going to, but on the 11th of the fifth uh, at the York in York, is that the one you're going to go to, uh, B, or is it another one you're going to when you're over in the UK? Because there's an ele- there's an ele- elegantly wasted tribute to the is band, that? yeah, up in York, but that's probably a little bit more north for you, isn't it, than where you are from? No, I'm not going to that one. I'm going to no. the UK in excess UK. There's no nothing to do with it. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm going to one of the fake festivals. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. Different. Um, All right. Yeah. Cool. Also, too, a couple of little shout-outs. There's a, a blog called Sky Vlog, uh, which sort of lose the video uh, log. It's it's a good article. It talks about how Inexcess kick-started their career uh, article. Uh, it does look a little bit like a hodgepodge of articles derived from other sources and all put into one thing. But uh, if you did want a bit of a, a sort of a history sort of in one article, it is quite good. It does capture a lot of stats on a lot of the songs on the album. Um, also, too, on YouTube, there's a little bit of a, uh inundation recently, B. There's a lot of YouTube shows out there dedicated to in excess stuff recently. So yes, one of them I've I'd, seen that, yeah. Yeah, one of them's called The Catalogue Review Show. It's on YouTube. goes for 51 minutes. There's three people on a Zoom call. Sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> and they're all talking about the catalogue of in excess and stuff. And I haven't listened to the whole thing or watched it yet, but it piqued my interest enough to, sh- to share it. And I've watched the sample, and I'm going to deep dive a bit more myself. Uh, there's another show called The New Wave Joe Show. Uh, American guy there, you know, with these Americanisms like new wave and things like that. Um, we don't really use the word new wave down here. It's more of a North American thing. Sorry, Catherine. But uh, uh show has, uh, this particular one has a bit of a deep dive on Michael and, and eight songs worth a watch. They do start off the the uh, the show with Kiss the Dirt and Joe uh, goes through about his experiences with the new wave band in excess, <laughs> uh, which is worth a listen. 
and a watch. Also, too, B, there is a funny sort of thing called old-time music where they do a meaning behind the song. And um, some of these meanings behind the songs are quite com comedic uh, when it comes to in excess, that they think they can interpret the lyrics when sometimes Michael and Andrew don't even know what the song's about occasionally. <laughs> uh, so there are some out there. Um, and, and look, by beware, they said, oh, The Strangest Party off the Full Moon Dirty Hearts album. No, it's not. It's off the Great Sits album. So that's always an indicator that don't take this gospelly. But there are some <laughs> interesting perceptions of what they think The Strangest Party elegantly wasted good times and even the indian song which is a sort of an extra track off the bonus welcome uh reissue uh, about so i do find them funny to read i wouldn't take them literally though okay also davison high b have you heard what's going on davison no high? no i'm just oh, reading this what's going on there? there's a there's a, a petition by the the parents they're wanting a renovation there, there's a <laughs> Photos of Inexcess playing in the uh, the gym and the hallways and things. It hasn't saying, changed in 40 years. And they said they haven't had any improvements or upgrades <laughs> in 40 years and the parents are getting Well, a you don't want to. You don't want to get touched. you like, you know, it's got <laughs> DNA of um, all the band on it. <laughs> it's not a pyramid, B. They are allowed to update, okay? You don't need a, they don't need to mummify it. But anyway, so there is... <laughs> it was in, anything to do with it. <laughs> it was in about five or six major newspapers and news releases. So the petition... Oh, uh, wow. The petitions had more hits than the Induct in Excess petition, so uh, we might have to get some tips from them. Also, too, a couple of things to finish with. Uh, Gary Beers, uh, he went to a big festival, I think, called the uh, uh, the NAM, which is an acronym for something I, I don't uh, quite know at this point. But the Desert Local News, uh, there's an article there by uh, Robert Kinsler, who's a journo at this big event, was there and did a really good deep dive with Gary. Again, some techie stuff that probably, you know, Gary and, and him and, and people going to a, a festival like that are, are really into in terms of the nuances of a bass guitar. Uh, but the article does sort of dive deep into Gary and uh, was good, a, a good read. Last of all, still an overspill, B and, and Catherine, of uh, a lot of Jesus slash in excess articles. There's a fallout to the Super Bowl. So it's still oh, coming through. Really? There's still lots of YouTube watches. And I was just thinking to myself, maybe they just should have just let him put Jesus was a man, you know, instead yeah. of, as the song. So uh, rather never tear us apart. But uh, if you're still interested in, in, in going down that religious in excess, what was going on pathway of the Super Bowl ad, there is plenty of fodder out there for you. B and Catherine, that's the news of the week. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And now it's time for Topic of the Week. It makes me want to call my friend who's the producer, an old MTV friend. Shall I call him now? Yes. Say, yes. <laughs> yes. Call him. John Jamin going, yes. No, if I get him, you can't tell. I'm not going to no. tell him we're on the air. Okay. No, no. Turn it. Hey, calm. Oh, hi. How are you? Good. I finished a podcast with some people in Australia for NXS. They're doing a piece about uh, a video I did for them years ago. And the issue came up. Why is it NXS in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I said, well, I don't know. But the one person I know who knows the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, let me ask him. So why aren't they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in your mind? 
well, just so you know, I am producer of the show. I'm not involved in the selection process of the nominated committee because I get to vote when it goes to the bigger vote. Um, so I'm never in those meetings. There's like 30 people, and you know a couple of those people, so you, I'll give you their names. You called up too. And you could find out, do they ever even come up? You know, because what happens is 30 people get together once a year, okay? Every Or yes. managers, whatever. And everybody comes to the meeting with one or two names and they pitch it to the room. And they have to like sell why they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And then they vote. And then in that room, they decide on the top 15 vote getters. And then six or seven of those vote getters get voted in. That's like fraternity rush. It's like fraternity rush. Fraternity rush, right? And then, uh, and then, of course, they have other special committees where you know early influence and executives and things like that, like out of the you know people that are not in the mainstream and stuff like that, but deserve to get in. Uh, get sometimes put in by these special committees. But a band like NXS, which has been eligible probably for a while, right? Yeah, the eligibility is twenty-five years after their first song. Sure. Here at the I've done the show, which is a lot, as you know. Yeah. I mean, never heard them even coming up in the meeting. Well, it's shocking. Yeah, shocking. Yes. He can really give me the insight. Yeah. I've been in more of these meetings than he's been way more because I've been in none of them. And he's actually the guy in charge now. Wow. So really put him on the spot. Fantastic. Oh, my God. Okay, good. Good. And give you some good insight that you can share with our, our friends in Australia because I, I agree with you, man. Those guys should be at least considered. Uh, they should at least be on the ballot. They should be on the ballot. All right. I'll stay in touch. All right, pal. See you. Okay. Bye. See, that's what we do here. We get the fuck. That's the advantage of being old, as you know, a lot of people. So that's right. they've not been nominated. Mm. Not being talked about. I will get the dope. <laughs> From my other friend, who have to do a little digging to get his number, yeah, and find out why they haven't been nominated. Mark, That's thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm going to start the grassroots American yes. in the hall. B, I'm just going to make a, a captain's call here. Mark's just made it to an official patron of the show, an honorary patron. Too right, too right. Yes, Mark, you've just made it to the patron status. We're going to waive your monthly subs, okay? Good. If you just put me on a statue somewhere. We shall, we shall. We, we, uh, but, Come with here. <laughs> but, but, but it is one of these things that, that they are a bit like campaign-like. You need someone in the in the corner sort of who's got access to those rooms who do... Who, who put the numbers and names forward. It is uh, a bit of a politicking about it, you know? Right. As he just explained it, yeah. they had brought up that it goes around the room. And as I said, it reminded me of fraternity rush. Like in college, like, hey, I like this guy. Yeah, does everybody know? And again, just everything culturally here. Look, John Wenner got bounced from the, the, the rock and roll, like, it is so supercharged with with cultural awareness and like mm. it's like music is I would think sometimes secondary, but these things come in waves. And if somebody does it, it's like you know what? Yeah, why not? They were fucking great. Yeah, mm. because because I think one of the things that sort of you know when we look at the band, 
arbitrarily. They've got a depth of a catalogue that they had 15 hits in Australia before they actually had a hit in America. They had 10 other hits in England that weren't hits in America. They they were a global band too that toured 60, 70 countries around the world. And and our, our podcast, ironically, he gets listened to in a lot of these countries. We have quite a wide reach. Uh, and that's just been interesting for us. We've learned a bit more along the way, haven't we, B? Yeah, well, I was even thinking we don't really get it televised here, do we? The the award ceremony and, and no, in, e- no. even in England, then then they're not even aware of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that much. We've got a whole country here that would be so interested if In Excess were nominated. Do you imagine their their I mean, ratings yeah. would go up? So yeah, there you go. That's my well. Get on well my- I will try to find out <laughs> when I do. Get on the board, Mark. And I'll come back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'd love to, we'd love that. Um, uh, speaking of their contemporaries, uh, you know, a couple of things. I know um, we don't want to bombard you with too much more, but um, oh, you, two, you, you two, obviously, you know, growing up in Australia, you two in excess were sim- symbiotic. Michael and, as you'd mentioned, and Bono were good friends. You worked on two of my favourite U2 songs, one, but one of the lesser-known songs, original of the species. Interestingly... You two, for all their successes, have one weakness, one kryptonite, and that is they lack a bit of decisiveness. And sometimes they like to do three videos, four remix albums, and they don't know which ones to go with. Your video of one, the Buffalo one, is probably one of my favorite videos, not just because you're on the call, but because it was the first CD single I bought because the image on the back was David uh, Wanoraski there with the Buffaloes. Well, sorry, Wanokovic, yeah. It made me read it and made me buy it. It made me listen to the song and then the video. I wish they went with that video and had the confidence to go with that more. You must be proud of that video too. Three. Yeah, they made three. That's right. Well, if you know how many times I've made videos for bands, I'm like, and sometimes I've shot so many ideas, I'm like, why don't we just release two? Yeah. I've never gotten over why bands don't release more than one version. Right. Yeah. Here's the interpretive version. Here's the performance version. You yes. know, that one was they made one that Anton Corbin had made where they were in drag. Yes. And with all the tribads in Berlin. And sure enough, like MTV was like on the fence about it. Right? They said, Oh, it's okay. Like it was it was pushing some stuff. And America, you know, is a very conservative place at times. So they weren't like, hmm. So because I had made the piece of one for the Zoo TV tour, it was that, that was just made for the projections for the Zoo TV tour. Here's a flower, here's some text, here's a buffalo. Yeah. And I ended up making a version. I have a version. I think it's on my website. That I made with the band in it. Yes. yes. It was like they come and sing and like they're like, they looked at it like, yeah, they scrapped it. You don't need them in it. And you know? So then MTP played the Buffalo one. It was like, ooh, that's different. But then like, well, we still don't like that one. Then they made the third one of Bono singing in a bar with like a Heineken. Yeah. So it was like that shows MTV's power at the time to kind of you know, guide a band like that to we, yeah make different images. Because you'd worked on the Red Hot and Blue album, I think it was the Jungle Brothers, and I know you too had worked on that. And with AIDS, money's relevant to that 
release. And then I think the U2 single for donating money to AIDS, I think they felt that the drag was going to maybe put the narrative backwards and they're going to get a backlash, I think. Probably. And yeah. that's how I met U2 was through the woman, Lee Blake, who was one of the founders of the Red Hot and Blue Project. Yeah. Heard a guy named John Carlin. They were friends with Bono. And they started by getting you two. Then the hey, you two's gonna do it. Will you do it? Then these people just started jumping on. And I happened to live in England at the time was making buzz. And they said, Do you want to do one of the pieces? I was like, Absolutely. I remember. Yeah, so then I moved back to New York, and that's when we did the the Jungle Brothers piece. Did NXS do a piece for that? No, they didn't do that. But that was the the Cole Porter, wasn't it? The interpretations of the Cole Porter songs. Yeah. Um, I think you did that. I'd get a kick out of you for those guys. Um, yeah. And then the next year, I did a thing called Red Hot and Dance, which was like the dance version of it. Nice. One of the things between the one film clip, the Buffalo one and the Beautiful Girl one, is they both have a simplicity to them. But the use of words and texts have quite a a resonance as the person watching and listening, you know, you know, you use words, you know, uh, in the, in the beautiful girl one and, 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 and texts and things like that. They, they are quite prophetic. I mean, it was, I looked at both of those film clips. And I think less is more. Hmm. Either of them are about the performer, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not, you don't see the artist singing. So it's not really a commercial. It's about the music and the, a, poetic lyrical interpretation of it mm. so one was the freedom okay the freedom of NXS to say we're going to stand by that their videos they weren't about hey beautiful like they had the chris and michael and the band all had the power of their own you know control to say this is what we want it to be and with you two same thing you know they made you know, they just were like, yes, that's that represents us. And they make three versions of that. I did a video for Bruce Springsteen, Lonesome Day. And my biggest mission was to convince him to not have a microphone, not have the E Street Band, and not have a guitar. Yes. And he goes, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, just sing the song. But I didn't really... No that much jokes on me with gonna be okay if I can just get through this lonesome day Lonesome day So he's the only artist that doesn't lip sync. He sings, so we're walking around Jersey and he's got the earwig with the instrumental and you're recording the live vocal. Sometimes in the video, you hear a seagull or you hear a distant car horn, which when we cut the video and sent it to them, they, they mixed it and it sounded like more like the record. And he goes, well, what do you think? And I said, I kind of missed the old version because mm -hmm. it was just felt your live vocals. Mm -hmm. I'm having a... Uh... I'm having days. It might have been Bruce Streets of Philadelphia. He did that as well in, and sure. he made. Well, he that's made, how he does all his. Yeah, he does most of his videos. Yeah. A couple where you see where he's like, he's a terrible lip syncer. Yes, <laughs> and he goes, "Well, if you liked it better, then go back to the other thing. That's fine." Mm, I got a plan. Yeah, you got a plan. 
for our listeners, B, uh, we can see behind uh, Mark here some fantastic homages to his career. I can see the Mothman Prophecies there, which was a fantastic Richard Gear, uh, Laura Lenny movie. Um, we're wow. around the room. And more. With the, with the U2 3D, uh, you know, uh, spectacular around six, seven. One thing that our listeners would love to recognize is, you know, Mark's career. He's, he's stayed true to videos, but he hasn't sort of just sort of hitched his wagon to those. You know, he's come up with some fantastic uh, movies. He's been working TV, docuseries, um, and never really lost the, you know, the, the love of videos. I know some of your contemporaries who maybe started at a similar time with you, I think um, Fincher, you know, Spike Jones, Gus Van Sant, Mikhail Gondry, Mark Webb, Gorb, Gorb Verbinski. I mean, all these guys have gone on to Hollywood. Some of them Yeah, they all became successful movie directors. Oh, well... No, no, you have, but these, some of these guys just stopped doing videos, but you've been able to combine, obviously, a, a, you know, a, a real sort of variety in your work. And I guess movies are so hard to get made these days, aren't they? You know, especially the ones you want to make. You know, my career was headed a certain way and then tragedy in my life kind of took things a little differently. And so the kinds of movies that maybe I could have made to be on a certain path didn't work out that way, but everybody's path is different. You know what I mean? So... I've always loved doing videos. I love, love, love them. Why? They're actually, I think, my best form. Mm. I think that they're plotless, right? So you can tell. One of my favorite videos in the last five years was I made a 13-minute video for Imagine Dragons, right? Yeah. And an eight-minute video for Demi Lovato where you can just you blow out a four-minute song into something larger. And it's emotional and it's stream of consciousness and it's a little more fragmented. And I like making movies, but they're they're much bigger and they're kind of plot-driven. Mm. So about four years ago, I made small movies and personal movies and I said, I'm going to make movies the way I make my videos and just write the scripts that way. And knock on wood, hopefully some are going to come closer to... Um, to fruition, but the business has changed. You know, I never mm-hmm. made superhero movies or comic book movies or had the hits that David said. David's a friend of mine. David's an amazing director. I know Spike, those other people. You know, once you get and you hit that rhythm, David Fincher and Martin Scorsese and Paul Thomas Anderson, like Steven Soderbergh, those guys are my heroes. You know what I mean? But for every one of them, there's a hundred filmmakers that have some of them make one movie. I've made 10. I feel lucky that I've made 10 and the videos and the other stuff. So you just keep, you keep going and you create a body of work that, you know, now I'm making this documentary and another film and I have a book coming out in about a year that's going to be 40 years of all these stories and process and, it's called The Visualist. When's that coming out? Pre-order it in a, on Amazon. Excellent. You know? so it'll be like a chance, it's like my website in a book. Excellent. Now, Mark's, Mark, just uh, doing my half ass internet research, Mark, is, um, as, Bill, as, did a lot of research. As, Bill, as Bill Simmons, one of my heroes in America, does great podcasts, he calls it half, half-based internet research. He has a, a fan fantastic podcast called the rewatchables podcast where i love that do you I love, love it podcast oh my okay. God. <laughs> glenn I have to explain it to you then you being a baltimore guy you might know on that podcast there's chris ryan who loves to do a 
John Bernthal impersonation on that We Own the City. You know that series in Baltimore? Sure, yeah, yeah. A- a- and he does a fantastic thing where he he he, he sort of uh, they talk about casting and recasting actors for movies, and he puts a John Bernthal We Own the City. Uh, Wayne Jenkins. It's, it's like Baltimore. You know, in Baltimore, they talk a certain way on. Yes. You know, like <laughs> if you're from Baltimore, I yes. watched that show and I'm telling you, Bernthal did a pretty good job. Correct. You know, sitting there, like, he got that Baltimore accent. Come on, big good. boy. You know. <laughs> Come on. He's, you know, he's just, got no insurance. You can go in the ambulance, he'll pick you up. Because the, the, that show when The Wire probably. I mean, you would probably resonate with you being from Maryland. I assume, don't they? You know, well, the wire. I mean, oh, the, I didn't nice. grow up near the wire, so that's yeah. People are like, oh, yeah. it's in bulk for the wire, like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like yeah, I don't course. know, yeah. As if, as if in you... Australia, anything ever from Perth to Sydney, that's yours. You know what I mean? I have my good yes. friends yes. over in Perth. Perth's a long way. Sydney, right? Perth's a long way from Sydney. It's on the other yeah. side of the of the of the country. Desert in between. Massive, but not big. Is it all there is? Is desert? That's well, in, in excess moved there when they were around seventeen or eighteen. All the band moved there to play live and and did a thousand concerts all the way up the Western Australian coast and inland in the desert areas. Mark. That's where they sort of cut their teeth playing live because the youngest does Sam Evans still work with the band. She does. does. She's the lady I was referring to. She, she now that. manages them. She used to be Murphy's um, PA, but now she's yeah. uh, moved up. Tell her that I said hello. I go Hayden very well. Yeah, my Michelle. producer and my producer Tom Gorai and her stayed in touch. I think for many many years. Right. Yeah. Now we know well, that Chris Murphy had passed. Mm. Yeah. It was very it, sudden. Three years January, just gone. But I, I can't uh, be, I can't get off this podcast uh, without mentioning fant- a fantastic movie that uh, has the second best ending of all time uh, called Arlington Road. Okay. That uh, second Mark, best. the second best. Sorry, Mark. You've been picked by the usual suspects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usual suspects. We end, we end this now. <laughs> no, but second's pretty good because. This is a fantastic movie, and um, and I think you, I think for the budget you're doing from a yeah some indie budgets to this is probably you know maybe a twenty million dollar budget, which in '98 was pretty big, wasn't it for you in terms of transitioning from yeah from my first which was small yeah it was yeah. It was, a, it was a real movie. But this is a Tim Robbins you know a Jeff Bridges Joan Cusack movie that just is a fantastic premise you know uh, some neighbors move into an area and uh, a professor I think at a, a college there is talking about. Uh, you know, I guess the government and world affairs, and essentially he thinks that the, the neighbours could be terrorists and bombers and a whole bunch of things. But I won't let our listeners know the plot too much more than that, but it's a fantastic movie, and I guess it's one that you must be proud of even 25 years later. Very much so. Very much so. And you so. stuck to your ending too. Yes, well, thank God it was a European company that funded it, and they wouldn't have let us make it in America. And then when... The European company folded Universal here in the States, wanted to to dump the movie right to DVD. But thank God the guy who originally had financed it from a company called Lakeshore bought it back and sold it to somebody else. So he just put his money where his mouth was. And that movie's held up. That movie holds up. 
And there was a, you used to get two bites of the cherry back there, didn't you? You got the cinematic release, but a bit like another Tim Robbins movie, they made most of their money on DVDs, you know, in terms of that. And I think Arlington Road had a great DVD run. Sure did. Sure yeah. did. But that's, they still need to do a re, like a 4K restoration of it. Okay. That's one we're still waiting, waiting for. for that. Mm. Now, Mark did actually also be, in case you don't realize, uh, took up some acting cameos in some movies, Mark. Can you share with our listeners? Uh, uh, I've got down here, almost famous, Jerry Maguire and uh, yeah. uh, Mothman Prophecies. You did a little cameos in those. Uh, did you get the acting bug or just... Uh... No. Here's how this worked. I was friends with, ironically, the guy that's the head of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Rick Brim. Okay. Was worked at MTV. After I met Jeremy, he said, you know what? My friend Cameron Crowe, who lives in Seattle, is a huge Pearl Jam fan and was making this movie Singles. And he he loved, he'd love to talk to you about how much he loved the video. So I met Cameron and became friends with him. Very good friends. He was like a mentor to me, still a good friend. And he came to a couple of commercials in the mid-90s. I was shooting like some sports commercials, you know, sneakers, sports things, you know. And he goes, can I come to some of your commercial shoots? I'm like, sure. He goes, well, I'm researching this movie about, yeah, maybe it's about sports. or you know, He didn't really tell me much. What it was, it was Jerry Maguire. So in 1996, he calls me. And we go to a bar and he hands me the script, which I still have, of Jerry Maguire. And he goes, I actually wrote, you're a character in the movie. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, the character's best friend is a commercial director who is his friend and I based him on you. I said, okay, well, thanks. Two months later, he goes, I want you to come and audition <laughs> to play yourself. I said, what? I said, I'm not an actor. He goes, no, I know, but you just have to be yourself. So I go and I audition, and he likes it, and his casting director likes it. I'm like, okay, are we done with this now? And he goes, yeah. Month later, he goes, I want you to come and audition with Tom Cruise. I said, excuse me? <laughs> Tom who? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a few people with Tom for James Brooks, the producer. So I'm like, okay. So I drove out there. Maybe this was like the next day. So I drive out there, I read the scene, and I wait in the waiting room, and I see a red-haired girl waiting to go in there. It was Renee Zellweger, right? So I go into the room, and I read the scene with Cruz. James Brooks is laughing. They're laughing because I'm this big, and Cruz is this big. Cruz is so dynamic, and he's trying to explain. It was a bachelor party scene. The dialogue got cut, and I'm like, I'm like, there's something wrong with the scene, Jerry. There's something wrong. Like I'm getting all wound up, and Jim Brooks is like, laughing. And I finished the scene, and I leave, and I'm driving home, and Kevin McCall's he goes, "You got the role." So I'm in seven or eight scenes in Jeremy uh, McGuire. Oh, no, I've got to go watch that tonight. <laughs> then he cast me in Almost Famous as a doorman. 
Um, but he didn't cast me in Elizabeth Town with tanks mm. commercially. So if you well, that's why tanks. Why tanks? We waited. We waited. You know, Hall. Not Elizabeth Town or Vanilla Sky. Just saying. Well, look, Vanilla Sky. Oh, Vanilla Sky. I love that movie too. Vanilla Sky is the worst cinematic piece of thing I've ever seen. But that's pers- I quite oh, enjoyed honestly. it. Honestly, honestly, I liked it too. Yeah. Good, and you're and you're a director. We don't I, listen to you much. I I probably just couldn't handle the uh, the vanity. But um, anyway, the interesting about Cameron Crowe, I love the analogy. He talked a bit about getting Glenn Fry on that movie, and he said, "Look, I need someone who can kick ass, uh, kick Tom Cruise's ass, <laughs> in, in a in a scene. I need someone with some authority." And Glenn's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do it." <laughs> so, Greg, you know, Cameron has a great eye for doing that for. Yeah. We're casting people who are not amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, amazing filmmaker. And Fast Times at Richmond High still stacks up, doesn't it? Come on, say anything. All these things. Yeah. You know, Aloha, well, I have the inside dope about why Aloha was a misfire, but I can't, I can't divulge that. Right. <laughs> Well, backlash because of the casting of Emma Stone, I think, from memory, but that was... Uh, fuck that internet. It's a problem. Correct. Correct, yeah. But the internet ruined everything. The, uh, the last thing I was going to say, uh, you know, um, was that, you know, the age when you were in 1976, 77, you know, 14, 15, roughly, uh, must have been a great formative, uh, you know, punk slash thing, disco, new wave. It must have been a great era to sort of be informing your musical tastes around that time. Is it something you look back on and you're glad you came through that era of musical discovery? Hell yeah. Because I used to go li- at the Jersey Shore... I loved rock in Boston and Kiss, Thin Lizzy. Of course, like my sister listened to the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and all that was fine. And then the summer I discovered the Cars and Talking Head 77 and the Clash, that was that changed my life. Magazine in New York called Trouser Press, which was this seminal punk new wave magazine and i would read it and drive like a half hour to the one record store in baltimore that had imports and had these records and befriended the guy there and i'd be like so what is 999 like and he would play something i'd be like i'd buy it i spent all my money on records and became a pusher i would push new wave and punk music to my friends all through the rest of high school college that was my passion was finding these bands you know and just like loving them last question for me uh desert island classics you could take away uh five albums i'm sure mark you love a good list aka high fidelity john kuzak five albums you can take on your desert island away with you off the top of your head god i did this a few years ago on a radio show Five discs, right? Five albums. You can put one greatest hits in, all right? Yeah, London Calling. Although Sandy Nista has three records, so you might get more wear from that. (laughs) But The Smith, three more, right? 
Beautiful coat. Don't feel obliged. <laughs> God, I'd take something quiet, like Chet Baker. Okay. I might take a Talk Talk record. Ah. One of my favorite. Mark Hollis, see Oh my God, even Mark Hollis' solo record. I'm, that's pretty much all I've been listening to in the last year. Also, These Immortal Souls, do you remember them? They were after the birthday party and- yep. um, my friend John Hillcoat uh, introduced me to Nick Cave a few years ago. Right, Strain directly. Uh, let's see one more. The first Boston record, you know, it's like mm -hmm. it's kind of perfect. It's a great story that record, isn't it? How it all came about, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that you can listen to that guy did it all, and you listen to it now, and it still sounds sonically, yeah, and I mean, just. Now, if there had to be a soundtrack on there, Blue Velvet, maybe. Yeah. I know that movie was significant for you in your early days, wasn't it? You know, that and Rosemary's Baby and a few others, Straw Dogs. Yeah. 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 Significant. Nathalie? Yes. I would like to just read a few comments um, that are on the video from um, some of the NXS fans, if that's okay. Oh, please. Yeah. The, there's a lady here whose name I cannot pronounce. Gwindina, it say that. Um, saw this video for the first time when I was in the throes of seven-year battle with anorexia and bulimia. At the moment, I literally broke inside. I felt seen and it made me finally get up. Now in 2024, someone I love is going through exactly the same. I had forgotten all about this video until today. So here I am, tears in my eyes, sending it off to my girl, hoping she knows how much she is loved and supported. So that's like bridging the gap from when you did it to 2024. Think about like, I don't know who wrote the song. I don't know who literally wrote it or did they all write it? And Andrew wrote it solo about his daughter. Yeah. Okay. So Andrew yeah. writes about his daughter. Yeah. Michael sings it and I connect with my girlfriend to make this video with all the people who participated in it. And years later, that young, the person writing that and giving that gift to somebody else, mm. you know, that, okay, what is that? What does that tell us about our, about art and yes. spirit and hope and humanity? And that's it, man. How, that's the, power of, the power of music. And like, whatever the art is to make you feel less alone. Okay, so 17 million people. I love that. Sometimes I'll go look at a comment from my old Keen video, which I made after my wife died. And my daughter and I are in that video. My daughter's 21 years old now. She was, she was three. And I'm holding her. It's all our grief support. And around the world, Jimmy Iovine said, we're not going to release this. this is, Keen's not going to be the band that makes people cry. And my assistant at the time... 2005, like YouTube was just taking off, but they put it on YouTube. And now it's out there forever, forever and ever, never and ever. So the power of music, movies too, but something about music, just because anybody can close their eyes and see themselves in it, can find themselves in it, be transported. A hundred years from now, somebody's going to listen to In Excess Beautiful Girl and feel it. 
Yeah. Same way that guy wrote it for his daughter, mm-hmm. and I never do that. Mm-hmm. And I'd love yeah. to know what what he was saying to her. You know, it's just it's great art. You can translate it different ways, and mm. it's just touched so many people. I have got two more to read out, very short ones. Um, another one was um, my mom sang this to me when I was recovering from a major brain surgery as a kid. And beautiful girl stayed with me, and it was the plea for a baby girl to wake up. Yeah, that stayed with her yeah, for stay with well. me. Mm, stay, stay with me. Mm. Gives you ting- it gives you tingles, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other one was um, I lost both my arms and legs at the age of fourteen, but this song was always has always gave me hope to live on. Now I am um, in my forties, and I still listen to it and think it's beautiful, and I am the beautiful girl. I'm almost more grateful that in tragedy you you go and like I would probably not have done Keen or the Foo Fighters or any Natasha Bedingfield or any of these other videos. I perhaps might not have done them or brought them to Lincoln Park right before Chester Bennington died, right? Maybe Cade's the Elephant. If my life hadn't taken that turn, I might not have had an opportunity to make all those videos and leave that legacy behind. That's the blessing that I had was be given those songs to interpret them. Mm-hmm. So that raised my bars. So when I get, get a track now, it's like, if it doesn't hit me immediately, I can't even, I can't even access it. Because if I can't see it or feel it, that I can't do it. So I was spoiled by all those artists who just gave me the song and said, do your thing. Blessed. Well, the world is is a better place for having you in it, Mark. And I say that sincerely because um, your art does touch people in so many different ways, whether it's been the short form, the long form, movies, documentaries, TV series, um, but most importantly, music, we think, because... Even Paul McCartney said, you know, these notes, you rearrange them in ways and they can make you cry and feel. And I think your your art makes people feel. And, and here in Australia, you know, that video, along with everything else, still resonates. But this particular video, uh, for our listeners and for um, obviously YouTube, 17 million people, um, still connects. And it's something that, you know, we're very proud to have you on our show. And we're very proud for you to open up the way you have. And we hope to keep oh. in contact with you, you know? I would love to. And if you send me the the copy of this, I'm going to... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Don't... I don't have that many followers. But we will have this out tomorrow, won't you, B? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, Captain. <laughs> B's the brains of the operation with all the production. Oh, uh, no. Come on. Oh, we're, we're both... I'm the we're... waffler. She, she's, the, she's the artiste. <laughs> you guys are the best. You guys are the best. And I will say, I've, I, I love Australia. I feel a kinship to Australia. I've never met an Aussie that I didn't like. <laughs> We're very grounded people. We, 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 I'm called Aussie. <laughs> she, she, she's born in England, right? Shut so, up. This is an interesting thing to finish on. Uh, in eight, 1788, we got exported out here by England as convicts, as you may yeah, know. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Still <laughs> the, the prostitutes. <laughs> yes. 235 years later... What we say to the English is that you're allowed to come here, but we'll let you do some fruit picking. We'll give you a second year visa. So, so the English have a bit of a deep hatred for Australia deep down, 
or Australians because they gave us this beautiful oasis and now we now we charge them to come here. <laughs> so so great. But but B B's a, a Brummy from Birmingham originally. She's she's a beautiful heart and soul. She's from Duran Duran Territory. I've converted to be an inaccessible over the last number of years. <laughs> I was just a fan and now I'm a nerd like him. <laughs> I saw Duran Duran for the first time nineteen eighty three with split ends. Oh yeah. wow. In Washington, DC. It was like Blew my mind that well. Yeah. Well, Split Ends are fantastic. 21 years old. Split Ends and Neil Finn's fantastic. I don't know if you, you've you followed Neil's career, you know? Yeah. And you know what? When I saw you two last weekend. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a cover of Don't Dream It's Over. Yes. Oh, really? And a beautiful Yes. Oh, that would be. You were at that gig. Yeah. Wow. That would because be... that all went viral the next day, you know. But I saw them during rehearsal, and Bono was just trying to get, "Hey there, hey there." I was so <laughs> kept doing his little, and Edge would do the first part. Hey there, don't dream, don't dream it. I doing the bad version. No. Don't run from the podcast, but the point was... <laughs> Better call it the Mark Pellington mega mix. <laughs> yeah, sir. The respect that Bono had for that song was profound. You felt it. Yes. And, and look, you know, going back to the Duran Duran League, Michael and Simon were great friends, so much so that Simon was at, actually in Australia in 83 at, uh, at the house of M Molly Meldrum, who hosted that, uh, that video show, Countdown. He's our sort of... Uh, I don't know, Mike Wallace of music down here. He's he's our most famous, you know, industry music um who hosts Countdown. But they heard the uh demo version of uh, original Sin that NXS did with Noel Rogers. And they were like blown away and that led them to work with Noel for, you know, um And that's when they did re redid the reflex. Reflex and, and mm. did notorious and things like that. So there's always links in everywhere, isn't there? You know? And Duran Duran got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year. Yeah, I think that was their first nomination and they got in. The Duran Duran fan fans are a force and they said they will help us once we get the nomination. Good. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out from Rick Grimm. I'm going to find out what happened. We love you, Rick. This is a... <laughs> This is our mission and mysteries. This is a charm offensive with some uh, some right hooks and some nunchucks to get this thing moving. I was shocked. I'm shocked they're not. No, I could tell. I could tell. I like get on that phone. <laughs> now I think it's six thirty uh, your time. There must be time for dinner soon. Uh, Real joy, joy, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna see you again. Yeah, and thank you for the beautiful girl. Thank you, thank you. Send me the piece, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Australia. MarkBellinger.com. Check it out. Yes. Peace. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney, and this is The Big Rat. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. That phone call, amazing. I just had my hand over my mouth and you were going, don't say anything. But why? That, that's connecting. This is one of these ones where we should release this out on YouTube, just the, the videos of this interview, mm. because I, I'd love it listeners to see 
our reaction and 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 Mark's eyes when he was like, they're not in the Rock Hall of Fame, and he's mm. he's need to pick up the phone and start dialing. And then you and I are fist pumping in the air, me particularly. What a sweetheart! You know what a great story, what a great career, and um, you know I love his recounting of the Grammys as well, and just you know the overall you know career achievements that he's had. I mean, he's still making vital videos and movies and TV to this day. Yeah, he's very passionate, isn't he? Yeah. I like I like the emotion side of him as well. Is yeah. and the fact that he's so connected and he knows so many people. Like Catherine was watching the uh, video with us earlier and she was saying, "Wow, he really is. What did you call him?" I thought he was Mr. Hollywood. Like, yeah, you could just imagine him in, you know, maybe a movie like Jerry Maguire. Oh, he's yeah. there <laughs> being the Hollywood heavyweight. So, yeah, or, or, or shamusing around the restaurant, yeah. shaking everybody's hands yeah. and like, hi, you know, I know you and I, you know, that. But we have now got a foot in the door, haven't we? We've got the door ajar. Um, come on, I think 2025 might be it where we might get nominated next well, year at least. And then we part of it, yeah, part of yeah. our. Part of our quest here, as blindly as we went into it three and a half years ago to where we are now, is that there's a serious side where we go, okay, well, how is it that door gets open? How is it that their name has been sort of not put on the, uh, you know, the agenda items of, of the discussion? I mean, it's it, look, I say this, and I, you know, I probably got into some uh, Facebook wars with some Chardonnay fans during the week. <laughs> and look, I'm not, I'm not the greatest smooth, smooth operator, okay, but... What I would say is this to the Sade fans out there, or Sade, as Jerry Tiger would say, is that she had one major album, maybe a second, you know, that came along. She sang on a soundtrack to, uh, uh, you know, a Robert Redford, Demi Moore movie uh, about giving your wife to another man. You know, great, you know, but she never was a cultural zeitgeist phenomenon that hit the mark like in excess did. And it's just unfathomable that somebody cannot bring their name up in a room for consideration because... I sense there hasn't even been like a hint of closeness. You know, we saw the rumours going around and some of those rumours were like, these are the ones who are getting in. So if you don't hear the rumours a month out, they ain't getting in. So there's there's a lot of lobbying, a lot of pressing the flesh needs to occur. There's Mm. got to be some moving, shaking going on. And Mm. I'm going to put a shout out to NXS management here and saying, listen, come on, guys, you know, we're all out there. We're all coming from the same uh, pathway here. You know, do what you can do from your end over there in America. You know, whatever is required. You know, this look at Mark Pallant. He's he's chatting to Alex Proyas two three weeks ago on the phone, who we just happened to chat to. But so many heavyweights behind the band that the band have worked with. You know, across the globe. That, you know, Noel Rogers, all these people. There should be a, a confluence of all these people coming together to get their name mentioned in the room. But Mark does mention somebody in management, doesn't he? So he he will be on the phone to her. I think also, too, there are bands that get into the Hall of Fame. They get nominated once and they get in straight away. Def Leppard, you know, is one of those bands. Oh, they will. There's no doubt they'll get in. There are people who have been nominated six times and aren't in, you know. I I think once they get nominated, they'll get inducted. But, you know, we've got to be a bit smarter with our push this next 12 months. So, Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have a week off because I need to calm down. (laughs) Yes. Yes, and we will. Too yes. exciting. The last too much fun. That's too right. much fun. Yes, but we we can let you know we've got the drummer, you know, Frank from the Fun Loving Criminals as our next guest. And as I said, he's touring Australia at the moment. Uh, some of you will, by the time you hear this this weekend, get a chance to see him in Adelaide or Perth. But more importantly, we get to hear a sort of a uh, hip hop, blues, soul, rock rapper uh, rap band. Totally influenced by Michael and the band and the Sonics and the Sound. And, mm. you know, these bands were very hybrid in their nature. Great very un- stories. You're very uncategorizable, like in excess. Yeah. So 
you know, mm. we can't wait for you to hear this particular episode the week after next. That'll be occurring. Quick side note, B, uh, Rock Hall of Fame in a year's time and competition tickets amongst everything else. How do we sort of sit with that competition? Yeah. Do we need any reminders while we're at it? Yeah, please. Um, any patrons out there or if you want to be a patron or you, if you want to donate you can enter the competition just email us let us know you want to be in you've still got a few weeks we're not ending until the 31st of March and then yep. we'll be announcing that in April so you've got a full month to uh, get your um, monies together maybe you want to do a Sulu and just donate some money or you just yep. want to get on board and, and give us a cup of coffee so we're going to recap the do you want to recap what the donation minimums are for non-patrons? Yes, it's $10. So it's a, a silver. It's not just for us, guys. I mean, no. you know, I, I know these takes a lot, but it's for in excess. We're doing this. We're putting down, Hayden works damn hard to do a lot of research. And you've seen behind the scenes this mm, week and how much yeah. effort goes into these shows. Uh, well, I mean, there's the production of the show itself and all the editing, but there's the whole social media and the outreach that has to be done. And that, that takes up a lot of time so yeah to join the competition or you can become a patron mm -hmm. uh, through the normal uh you know the directions on our site um and we really look forward to as i said you know and and we've had a lot of people existing patrons nominate their interest in the competition yeah which is great keep them coming but uh for considering and being a part of it speaking of which uh, i want to just do a shout out we don't normally get a face-to-face -face thank yous but thank you to kathy for your patronage you know uh literally for our podcast uh, I love the story you shared with me about the the very seedy venue in 1984 where NXS did play, and uh, it was a uh, a venue that probably required uh, some security to take you there and go home yes. for the You're, for the fans. No, yes, yeah, for Is any woman. Right? Yeah, any self-respecting Ottawa woman wouldn't just go to Barrymore, so yeah, yeah. And you flicked the, the you flicked the book open. Yeah, there I, was I a story. Her, yeah, I gave her the book. You know, the new book. Um, what would you say? Calling all nations. Calling all nations. New book, and she flipped it open, and she actually found, yeah, a, yeah, story found a story. Of, uh, right. Okay. Fantastic. Of someone there, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's a very interesting story actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, B, the theme of the show is Beautiful Girl. We did, I think, last week uh, have Beautiful Girl, the sort of, I guess, album version for uh, In Excess, out uh, as our tribute song. We do know there's a second version of this particular song, which is there recorded in 2011 on the original Sin album uh, that uh, John produced. Uh, and we had Pat Monaghan from Train come along and sing with the band. Uh, and I love this version. They take the original and take it to another level. Beautiful. And another, and another yeah. style. So. Mm. So from the point of view of that, we thought we would go with the Pat Monaghan train in excess version for 2011. Wonderful. Beautiful girl. Speaking of beautiful girls, thank you, ladies, for being on today. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. Nikki's in the corner Black coat on Running from a bad home
the Dutchie and you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B.